0: As we begin this Most Holy holy Triduum, the three days of remembering the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of our Lord, we start, of course, with the Mass of the Lord's Supper, remembering, of course, the giving of the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, remembering the giving of the priesthood, something that we uh, might tend to forget or overlook, because in order to have sacrifice, you need a priesthood, and the giving of the ultimate example of how we can continue to live this Eucharist out through service. That what we celebrate this day is these threefold things. And Jesus, I wanna start with focusing on the service first, did something that was profound. We might think in the back of our heads that this was common, that somebody would stoop and wash the feet of, of another person. This was not the case. You did not wash the feet. In fact, St. John the Baptist, if you remember, he's not even worthy to stoop and untie the tongs the thongs of Jesus' sandals. That's a statement of humility. And to wash feet is utter humility. To humble oneself, to stoop. And yet that's precisely what our Lord does. And St. John purposely records this Sign this washing the feet and does not give us the giving of the Eucharist because again, St. John wants us to understand what does the Eucharist invite us to? What does the Eucharist call us toward? Well, so often we focus on our identities and, and this is good identities as sons and daughters of our Lord, sons and daughters of God the Father but if our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, can wash feet, who are we to say we cannot serve? And that's something that so often we forget. And and uh, I, I must... Uh, it's just been very heartening to hear that uh, Bishop Zelensky is inviting us and telling us and reminding us time and again, and, and of course Bishop Lavore did and Bishop Ninstead did and as past vocation director, something that's very dear to my heart, but he keeps reminding us we have young men from our parishes that are called to the priesthood. We have young men, and not I'm not talking just David Ribé, who is our seminarian. God bless him and, and keep him this day. But we have young men from our parish currently that are being called. We have young men and women that are called to religious life. And we need the priesthood. We live in an interesting time. As our Catholic population continues to grow, and the priests seem to continue to just grow old. We need priests. Because we need the sacraments. It's not just me. I need the sacraments just as much as you. And thank God I have access to them. But we need priests to serve our diocese. We need priests to serve in different parts of the world that have no priests. And we've, perhaps as a diocese and and, uh, sometimes as as, uh, uh, Catholics, we have uh, made priests a commodity. Well, if we're short here, we'll just go to Africa and get them. We'll just go to India and get them. We'll just go to Guatemala or, 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 or uh, the Mexico or wherever it is that has a lot of priests. And I think this is dangerous. Because if we are the church, God will provide and is providing. The problem is I think we fail to hear. I think we tend to not listen and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, it is difficult to listen. I think I've shared enough and, and, uh, and if, in case you forget, uh, when the first inkling came that I should consider being a priest, I said, no, over my dead body, I'll, I will never be a priest. I don't know what happened somewhere in, in between sixth grade and, and my first year of college, I must have died and just didn't know about it. And now I cannot imagine my life being any other because I started to listen. I started to acknowledge that there's something in me that God was calling. I am convinced God has not ceased to call us. And of course, it's not only to priesthood or religious life, but good, holy married men or women. I'm so inspired by a, by a number of couples, of, and I've got to say that because I don't want anyone to think I'm inspired by every couple, uh, the, but the number of couples that, that are celebrating 50th anniversaries, or 25th anniversaries, or 60th, or 70th. This, this long battle of marriage, one that needs the sacraments, most especially the Eucharist, and how we need good and holy marriages because that's where vocations come from. I've, in the danger of sounding self-denigrating, I'm the only priest of our diocese whose parents are divorced. That's not a coincidence. Because good and holy priests come from good and holy marriages. It's not saying that that's the only way, and thank God I'm an exception to that rule in our diocese, and I know of a few others throughout the United States that are uh, sons of divorce, as well. But thank you, married couples, for your witness and for your desire for the sacraments. But everything that we are as Catholics is nourished by, by the gift we receive this night the gift of the Eucharist. Yes, I know it's perhaps a pun, but the Eucharist is Jesus' greatest presence in both ways. It is a gift, and it is his presence, his being with us, enduring presence with us. That's what Jesus Christ is for us in the Eucharist, present to us. Every time we come to the Eucharist, we receive him. And we live in a day and age where it's so interesting that that perhaps our catechesis has been poor, perhaps this is part of the reason we have, uh, I don't think it's a crisis, I think it's a challenge of vocations, that we have forgotten what it is we receive when we receive the Eucharist. That Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, as we heard in St. Paul to the Corinthians telling us, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body. And he used the same word that we hear in today's first readings, the fir- or the same understanding at least, that it is to be a memorial, when we hear that, we think of a memorial, we put a sign on a bench or a sign on, on a, a building or, or a, a headstone on the, in the cemetery. That's a memorial, just a marker. That's not the memorial that was understood in the Old Testament and the New Testament. No, the memorial that he is talking about is a memorial of remembran- remembrance, which draws us back to the original event. Now, if we think about some of our memories... Especially the pleasant ones, perhaps, it's easier to think about. I think tonight I might think about my grandmother and my grandfather and the times I spent in walking into their house. I can smell the cookies. I can, I can hear the sounds, the laughter. I can smell the drawer that had all the pencils and the scrap paper that we could draw. I can smell it all. You see that's what memorial is—that we're drawn into that mystery, and it involves all of our senses. It's not just a remembering, not just saying, "Well, it's nice," but it's being drawn back. If that is our memory—a natural memory—what is our supernatural memory? That we are drawn to Calvary this night. Yes, we anticipate it. Our Mass is an anticipation, of course, of Calvary, of being drawn to Calvary to witness our Lord sacrificing Himself, as only God can do, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb, that He gives Himself to us. And we're drawn into that mystery, and that mystery of His presence remains, endures. Some uh, non-Catholics believe that The Lord's Supper is what the believer believes it to be. If the believer believes it to be the Eucharist, it is. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. We don't believe this as Catholics. The Eucharist is the Eucharist, period. It is Jesus Christ, period. It is him fully present, whether we recognize it or not. And because it is his presence, we need to recognize that presence. St. Augustine tells us, as we receive the Eucharist, to become what we receive. We receive the body of Christ to become the body of Christ. St. John Paul II, reflecting on that statement and reflecting on uh, the teachings of the Church for some 2,000 years, reminded us that the Eucharist makes the Church. So often we get that kind of backward, don't we? We think we gather as, as Catholics and we, we, if we have a priest in the community and we have the bread and the wine and everything like that, we, we say it and we, we say the prayers and, and we make the Eucharist. No. No. Not at all. It's Christ who draws us as the church first, Christ who calls us as priests, as laity first, Christ who makes himself present first. And then, we're drawn into the mystery. And this is a great mystery, isn't it? We're drawn in to Christ's presence, a gift. See, when it comes down to it, it's this reality. In order to have the sacrifices being efficacious for us, we need to participate in that sacrifice. How can we participate in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? as he died once for all, as we hear St. Paul telling us, it's through the sacrifice of the Eucharist that we're drawn back. Not that he's re-sacrificed, re-crucified, but again, in memorial, drawn into that presence of him at Calvary. These next days are sacred to us, the most sacred of all days. Because here, the reality of the Eucharist is proclaimed and lived. Tomorrow, as we gather on, of course, Good Friday, we hear of the Lord's passion. We have a moment to reflect and to venerate the cross on which our Savior hung, to remind ourselves of the beauty of our Savior, the sacrifice which makes the Eucharist. But it's at the Easter vigil, we begin to understand and put it all together, that the Eucharist we receive is not Christ crucified, but Christ risen, Christ glorified, given to us as gift and given to us to make sure that we know he is present.